0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. It's the New York Times bestselling author, Mark Ebner. He's an award-winning investigative journalist, and he's covered all aspects of celebrity and crime culture, and you probably know him from Hollywood Interrupted. Thanks for being on the show today, Mark.
1: Hey, well, thank you, Well, I think think we've hit our sweet spot here. It's true crime all the time, and I will add, we couldn't have landed on a better time for it. So I wish us both success.
0: Well, it's certainly been good so far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you see what's happening with... uh, you know, uh, American, uh, uh, the, 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 the OJ series, the, uh, uh, you know, a lot of these shows are getting play that, uh, you know, you, unimaginable play. I mean, you know, who, who thought the people versus OJ Simpson after all these years, when we all know how it all ends, so to speak, <laughs> is, you know, capturing audiences all around the world. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's quite yeah. quite a surprise. I think that uh, a combination also of that making a mur- making of a murderer too on Netflix, right? I mean, uh, it just it's just crazy how people are. Uh, it's almost it surprises me sometimes because they're shocked about how the legal system actually works.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, I mean, what a learning curve for me. For me, I you know, I I think. Uh, you know, well, you know, to the point, uh, Poison Candy, I did that with the, uh, you know, Assistant State uh, Attorney down there in uh, uh, Palm Beach County, Florida, uh, Elizabeth Parker. Uh, and, you know, when that story hit my desk via my agent, I said, oh, yeah. You know, I want to do this one. I mean, this is just, you know, first of all, it took place in Florida. And Florida is the gift that keeps giving when it comes to these wacky true crime stories. <laughs> and this one definitely, definitely takes the cake. Uh, no question about it. You know, here you have, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I like I said, you know, when we were pre interviewing here before we went, uh, before we started taping this show, I don't want to dance around certain issues. This is about Dahlia Dippolito, okay? Mm-hmm. This is about, this is about, uh, this is a story that begins and ends with sex. This woman, I mean, you know, I did a Crime Watch Daily, that syndicated show, and they said that her intended victim, Mike Dibbolito, uh, who soon became her husband, uh, and, you know, she plotted to kill him. You know, they said he said that they met on a dating website. Well, that's not exactly true. She was an escort. You know that. You know she's a. You know a, a casualty of her own profession. Now, you know my feelings on prostitution, notwithstanding, what I can say is, is is that everything, and I repeat, everything about her, you know, begins and ends with sex. Sex was what she used to get what she wanted, you know. And she was really she really honed that craft quite well. I got to say. <laughs> and you know, you know, we see how it wound up. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm ready to go back to Florida for round two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, she actually got him married too, right? So, it, you know when she when she was being if she was being his uh, escort, she actually. Uh, lured
1: him and married him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it was, uh, you know, this is what happened. The guy's fresh out of prison. He did a couple of years on a, and and the guy being Mike DiPolito, he did a couple of years on a, uh, basically, uh, you know, he was stealing money. You know, that's the only way to say it. The guy had a scheme. You know, he had experience coming up in, you know, he's an ex-drug addict you know very street savvy kid from uh Philadelphia you know he came to Florida the boiler, boiler room capital of the world for god's sake you know and he learned from you know some of the best i guess you know in terms of how to separate people from their cash well you know which is ironic because you know <laughs> he didn't meet his match until he met Dahlia DiFilippo who did her best to succeed in separating him from all his cash as well, but the thing about him was was that you know he did two and a half years, he did his time. You know he's uh, you know he has a restitution clause clause in his release. Uh, the 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 sad and ironic part of about his sentencing was yeah he got out in a little in a short amount of time, but he's doing thirty years, uh, you know uh, probation, federal pro. You know, where he's restricted to the county of Palm Beach, Florida. Now, (laughs) that means that while his, uh, uh, his ex-wife Dahlia, and, uh, you know, his, uh, the, the woman who conspired to murder him, uh, you know, as was adjudicated in the court of law, and her, and wound up having her receive pretty near the maximum prison sentence of 20 years, She hasn't spent a day in prison, and she's been living, you know, less than two miles away from him in the same town. You know, you know, like I I like to say, you know, she's been sun sun tanning in her mom's backyard with an ankle bracelet on, plotting her next move, you know, or her (laughs) next victim. Because we're not talking about a normal person here, you know. Once again, I'll go back. I'll say she was an escort, but I didn't mean that to besmirch her. Uh, you know, I'll leave it to the experts. I spoke to a, uh, court-affiliated forensic, uh, psychologist down there, uh, you know, when I was working on the book with Elizabeth Parker, who, to her credit, had done all the investigating, you know, to, to get to the point where she had a slam dunk prosecution on this woman. Uh, you know I talked to this guy and and the first words out of his mouth was she's a sociopath you know so there's the clinical diagnosis Uh, this woman is not of right mind and she is consequently very very dangerous and and so why isn't she spending any time in prison well she uh, you know here's what happened She, uh, she got out on an appeal bond I guess her mom or relatives put up some property or whatever. She's not, you know, I wouldn't say the woman's, you know, uh, she's really wealthy, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, she managed to get an appeal bond, so she was out on appeal. And, you know, which is by law, you know, you it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a capital crime. Uh, well, actually, maybe it was. I don't wanna I don't wanna misspeak here, but what you know, as as heinous, heinous as her crime was, yeah, there wasn't a body involved, so I guess they let her out on an appeal bond. So she has all this time and uh you know, what she did was she managed to use whatever whatever ironic celebrity she had to kind of lawyer up you know with some cowboys there was some California you know show trial lawyer you know who who you know flew into Florida to start representing her blah 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 I guess these a lot of these lawyers want TV time if you know what I'm saying yeah. and um they managed to get her original conviction thrown out on a couple of technicalities one involving voir dire and uh, jury selection and the idea that uh you know, the uh the defense wasn't allowed to ask certain juror prospective jurors if any of the pretrial publicity had uh, you know, affected them or the deci- you know, the decision making process in any way. So there were a lot of screw ups. Well guess what? Surprise, it's Florida. You know, lawyers and cops down there are screwing up all the time in case no one hasn't, you know, noticed. Um However, once again, it still leaves me head scratching that she hasn't done a day in prison, you know when the fact is is that the case was airtight against her, like they say videotape doesn't lie.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah well you know, but what's shes saying? she's saying uh, from what I heard that um, she was just uh, acting in a reality um, well, <laughs> it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't real, it was for a reality TV or something.
1: Yeah, it was the reality show defense, which her, uh, you know, her original trial attorney, uh, you know, he, that's what he put out there, and it was pretty weak, you know, it was like, um, yeah, it was, the way things played out was kind of surreal, that the local police department decided that once they knew she was plotting to kill her husband, for sure, you know, uh, you know, from direct, you know, mm-hmm. eyewitness sort of, uh, uh, evidence being brought before them by one of her lovers. You know, yeah, she's married to Mike DiPolito, but you gotta believe she had more than one side pieces, as it were, going on in her life. You know, other than men that she could use and you know abuse without them even knowing it this guy you know who had an ongoing relationship with her his name is Mohammed Shahada uh... basically you know owns uh... some convenience stores down there in uh... Palm Beach County and he also you know uh... he's uh... You know, he had actually been on television. He had appeared as a glorified extra, and maybe in a couple of uh, episodes of that show, Burn Notice. You know, so there was this air of, like, drama around her life. But at the same time, this guy realized she was serious. She wanted to kill her husband. And, uh, she proved that to him on several occasions, blatantly. You know, he went to the cops. And, you know, he pretty much, you know, let them run the show and they signed him up uh, as a confidential informant before they, before he had a chance to think about it. And, uh, you know, then they're orchestrating this big sting on her. <clears throat> you know, and the idea was that they were going to go along with the ruse. He was going to be wired and it would be also be videotaping because most of the business took place in a car. Um you know and and they were going to collect evidence to the point where the Boynton Beach police department took one of their own an undercover cop by the name of uh, Woody Jean uh and had him pose as a hitman and actually have her have uh, you know get on tape her giving money to uh to Mohammed Shahada to uh hire a hitman and bu- purchase a weapon. You know, uh it, she had they had this already. They could have you know, they would have had a strong case right there because once money changed hands, you know, with her, you know, stating her objective, um, that should have been enough. But this is where we get into reality show territory. Boyne Beach P- police wanted to keep the drama going. They wanted to keep the ruse going because, well, yeah, it, it, the argument could be made that they would be strengthening their case. But really, what it was was they they had some PR chick, uh, Stephanie Slater's her name. Unbelievable that she's still employed by the department, the Boynton Beach Police Department in Florida. She's the. Uh, PIO, the public information officer, she's basically a spokeshole for them, you know, a flack, as it were. You know, she decided to, you know, that since Boynton Beach Police Department had invited the television show Cops to ride along on this extraordinary case, you know, and film actually take the, uh, the sting operation, which had them eventually setting up a crime scene, uh, supplying a fake hitman and everything else to the designated date when this murder was supposed to take place. They, they let the hitman call the shots and he said, I need you out of the house on this day at this time. And I need a key to your house. I need to be able to get in, blah, blah, blah. On the designated date where this alleged hit was supposed to go, up, go down. She cleans the house out of $80,000 worth of jewelry and almost everything that's of value to her, and she goes to the gym. She parks her car. She leaves all that stuff in her car. She gets a phone message from Boynton Beach Police Department Sergeant Ramsey, who's on the fake crime scene that they had set up, and he says, you know, uh, Mr. DiPolito, uh, I need to speak to you. She calls him minutes later, and she says, what, what's going on? And, you know, he's saying, listen, there's been an incident. You know, she's like, what happened? What happened? And he says, I need you to come here now. I need you to come home. She comes home to her uh, condominium there in Boynton Beach that she shared with uh, her intended victim, her husband, Michael DiPolito. She comes home. And the place is yellow taped off. There are cops posing as forensic investigators dusting for fingerprints. They had already gotten Michael DiPolito out of the house. She walks up to Sergeant Ramsey, and she's like, well, you know, and he says, I'm sorry, your husband was shot. Your husband's been killed. You know, and before he gets the word shot and killed out of his mouth, she's breaking down like, you know, one of, you know, and, you know, if you watch that videotape, it's a... (laughs) It's, it's a thing of wonder yeah. in terms of acting. You just don't know whether it, it, it's, it's really, really bad or really, really good. And I, I suppose it depends who's watching. Well, the cops' cameras are watching. They're watching everything. So anyway, the point is, is that the, 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 the police department pretty much screwed the pooch on their own credibility by allowing a videotape to be, so, go up. You know, of you know, uh, you know, videotape that they had collected that was actually evidence. Now, in what planet? I don't, you know, I don't even. I can't. That to me was stupid in in and of itself. You don't take evidentiary taped footage and put it up on YouTube just to show off for your police department. You know, this is the whole thing. You know, you're investigating a crime. Well. They did that. And, uh, you know, so in terms of pre-trial publicity, you know, this videotape went viral right away. And so, you know, listen, I have my feelings about what kind of a woman Dahlia DeFolito is. But at the same time, if you want to paint a jury pool, that's one way to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 And plus, you know, once it's on Nancy Grace, it's everywhere, too, right? Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know, showing it over and over and over, and, and talking about it and stuff. Do you think that's a problem with the the whole justice system right now?
1: Well, well, I think that you know, uh, you know, listen. I live in Los Angeles. You know, I cover Hollywood and crime and the intersection thereof. You know, that's that, and you know, I've seen more show trials go south than uh, you know you can imagine. I mean, you, you know, you go to OJ. You know you go to uh, you know you know time there's you know this you know basically what what there is there's just a lot of you know popcorn eating time and a lot of unnecessary drama that goes into these things and it's manufactured by the people who are supposed to be doing their jobs and meeting out justice and you know you see it all the time and it's unfortunate and hence you know her reality defense. You know, actually, it's sort of like, you know, you sit back and you go, how absurd is that? You know, she's saying that she was in a reality show, but was there a reality show company involved? No. Was there, you know, any working scripts or, you know, shoot dates or call sheets or all the things that go into production of these shows? There was none of that. It was all in her imagination, you know, you know, for her to try and say that you know, that, you know, she didn't mean anything she said or did, and she thought she was being filmed as as in a reality show. Well, you know, we've reached a place in history where, sadly, that idea, that absurd sort of defense doesn't seem that far-fetched. However, in this case, it was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, do you think she's ever done this sort of thing before?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, there's no question that she's used men, you know, for her own ends. Uh, y- y- you know, uh, prior to having, you, you got to understand, she didn't wake up one morning and say, I want to kill my husband. No. She had to first, in a span of, you know, six months. I mean, these, these two were newlyweds. She had to get his money first. you know the guy had a nest egg of about $240,000 and you know and understand talk about scamming the scammer this is a guy who you know had just gotten out of uh, prison for defrauding people you know was getting defrauded by the person that he shared a bed with she found ways to uh, you know to create ruses to, A, get his money away from her. B, spend it on other guys who would help her with other enterprises that she may be considering or being involved with. And, you know, at the end of the day, the way she established those relations, like I said at the top, it all began and ended with sex. Apparently, she was just incredible between the sheets. And, you know, men could not say, say no to her. And so, yeah, um, had she conspired to k- kill another person? I don't think so, but she certainly had used and abused men all of her adult life, her short adult life.
0: And, and now what's, what, what is the husband? Uh, that, where is he now, and what's he kind of doing, and how's he react to all of this?
1: Well, you know, he, he's in a tough situation. He's got 30 years probation, restricted to the uh, county of Palm Beach, Florida. He's kind of imprisoned in his own town, at the scene of the crime, as it were. You know, he he uh he's wanted to. You know, his he went to prison for uh, selling false foreign foreign currency to people. You know, basically getting them on the phone and running a uh, phone scam and taking their money. And he owed about, uh, I think he owes like just under two hundred thousand in restitution. He has been trying to pay that restitution, but unfortunately, uh, the probation people down there and law enforcement they won't accept his money um, unless he proves to them where he got the money from. So, in other words, it's a real catch twenty two for him, you know. You know, he's hoping to get off probation and be able to expand his horizons and live his life, you know? Listen, I, you know, here's a guy who, uh, you know, did his time. I understand why he, why and how he became the person that he was when he had to go off to jail. He's no saint, but I'll tell you, his intentions are good. You know, especially uh, you know, when he found out that the main source of all his problems in this free world breathing free air, you know, were coming from his wife. You know, he felt that, you know, justice had been served, that she was out of his life, she she was eventually going away for, you know, the better part of twenty years, and he could get on with his. That isn't the case. You know. So, how he's doing, it's hard to say, but, uh, you know, I, I can definitely say I wouldn't want to be in his shoes.
0: No, no. And I guess, so, they have to do a whole new trial again, right?
1: Uh, yeah. And, uh, it'll be interesting, because there, uh, there are, you know, I would say more than a few levels of impropriety, uh, that can be pointed at by her defense team. But at the end of the day, I think the evidence will will out. If they can, you know, sequester a jury, you know, that hasn't been tainted, (laughs) you know, by the media that we're creating right now. Yeah. uh, Then I think, um, you know, what's going to happen is, is because the detectives involved managed to... I accumulate enough evidence for a conviction the first time, I see no reason why they won't be able to do it again. Like Elizabeth Parker says, you know, videotape doesn't lie. And it certainly wasn't lying in this case.
0: Right. And now that the husband testified in the first one, I guess?
1: Yeah. I mean, to the extent that, you know, he, you know, he took the stand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there is so much stuff. You know that didn't come out at trial. I mean, you got to understand. She had allegedly tried to poison him. She had tried to do it herself. You know. Um, I mean, she planted drugs on his car, on his vehicle, on numerous occasions, allegedly. You know. I mean, and I say that with my tongue embedded in my cheek. But you got to understand. Her whole mission was to get her. Once she had his money, was to get him out of her life. Whether it meant having him sent back to prison, or her end game was to have him, you know, have him disappear, have him killed, and she almost succeeded, didn't she?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she she got actually yeah. the name of his place put in her name too, right? Like that. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. But now that was kind of that was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, they went to a, a trust uh, trust lawyer, I guess, or you know, someone who, who could handle the deed. Transferal, and he was like sitting there thinking to himself, well, you know, I don't understand why, you, you know, I'll take your 150 bucks to do this deed transfer, but, you know, when, when he did that, it should have been clear to both of them that she, even though that the deed is transferred into her name, she can never sell the place, you know? without permission of the original owner, being her husband, Mike. In other words, she may have the deed, she may have a piece of paper, but does she own that house to the extent that she could, you know, sell it or profit from it? No. Not without his signature. He's the original owner, and that's the law in Florida. So that was kind of stupid. You know, uh, of course, you you know, when when she got arrested, he was like, I want my house back. You know, he was worried. Well, the truth of the matter is he had nothing to worry about, <laughs> you know. But, like I said, she was, you know, trying everything, you know, to, you know, steal everything from this guy, including his life.
0: That's just crazy. And and, and he didn't get it even when she tried to poison him before?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I, he's... I guess. I guess the moral of that story is... You know, I don't want to sit here and call him a dumbass. It's easy to be excuse my language, uh, you know, it's easy to be, you know, an armchair sort of criminologist and say, wow, this guy was a complete sucker and a dupe. But then, again, I say to anybody who's thinking that and scratching their head over the whole thing, I say once again, do not ever underestimate the power of sex. It's incredibly powerful and you know that is a career that she had I mean if there's anything she studied she may not know about deed transfers and you know and reality TV but she knows you know she knows how to exert power over men to the point of destroying them she knows it well
0: wow that's quite a story yeah. yeah 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 and and now the book's out now right
1: yeah it actually it came out in 2014 it's enjoying a resurgence now now um it was uh it was a, a a tremendous learning curve for me i had the you know i had the uh advantage of working with the woman who prosecuted the case a really good investigative uh prosecutor um you know and then i had all the files i mean it was like you couldn't have handed me a better story to be able to put my pen to because uh... it was all there due to the you know investigative work of the prosecutor um... you know i i hope that the book sees further life i you know i encourage your listeners to pick up a copy uh... poison candy uh... The Murderous Madam, Dalia DiPolito's Plot to Kill is available uh, on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, direct from the publisher, Ben Bella Books. You know, you can get that book anywhere. And, uh, you know, it, it's definitely some worthwhile reading because no matter how much you think you know about this creature, Dalia DiPolito, and what she managed to do within a six-month period, you know, to her husband—let that be a cautionary tale that everyone should read. You know, that's all I can say. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: And 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 so you come. You've been doing Hollywood Interrupted. Uh, the uh... well,
1: Hollywood Interrupted, I did with the late great Andrew Breitbart um, back in uh, 2004, 2005. That was when you know our uh, New York Times bestseller and I only say that not to boast, but it is definitely something that you know any author should aspire aspire to if they want to make their parents proud you know I think it means a lot more you yeah. know yeah. Uh, to your legacy than it does at the, that exact moment when you hit that list but yes <laughs> Hollywood interrupted was a uh, uh, our thesis was that uh... celebrity is a disease and that with andrew Breitbart coming from the right and me coming from the left we both met on the same page with our mutual loathing for hollywood and we decided to stage an intervention of sorts and that's how we came up with hollywood interrupted and our laundry list of you know crazy if not criminal hollywood behavior uh... Um, you know, and then after that, uh, I struck out on my own and did a gnarly, uh, 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 true crime book called Six Degrees of Parasol, which is available from Simon & Schuster. Uh, and then we did We Have Your Husband, which is a uh, kidnapping case with the late Jane Garcia Valseca, who managed to get her, uh, husband who had been kidnapped in Mexico, uh, managed to get, uh, her, her husband back after he was literally imprisoned in a box buried under the ground for six and a half months. Uh, that was made into a lifetime movie of the same name, We Have Your Husband. And then I did, uh, went up to Canada and I did, uh, Being Uncle Charlie, uh, with, um, Bob Deasy, a guy who in the OPP, which is, as you know, is Canada's uh, version of the state police, had a, you know, illustrious 25-year career where he very rarely came out from being undercover. Consequently, he managed to take out down the Italian mafia, uh, Hell's Angels, all co- so, sorts of drug dealers, you know, just some great, great stories. And he perfected something up in Canada, which is known as Mr. Big. Uh, should I explain what Mr. Big is? Uh, yeah, because you couldn't leave. You can't leave us without explaining that. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, well, being <laughs> Uncle Charlie, Random House Canada, a real collaboration that I'm really proud of. Being Mr. Mr. Big is essentially where the undercover agent poses as uh, you know, uh, as the you know the the big criminal, the, the top dog. Uh, you know, the gang leader, the, uh, the top mafioso, if you will. And, um basically what he did was, uh, in try, and they use it to solve cold cases. And in this case, you know, it was a murder. And basically the way the Mr. Big operation works is he's all blamed out. He's got the gold chains and, you know, uh, rented a, you know uh, a suite at the four seasons meanwhile he, him and his other undercovers had been nurturing this suspected murderer you know on the street you know to do their bidding you know so they would stage you know like a a, a tractor trailer heist you know some crimes and have him involved with it using their own money their own vehicles and their own resources you know And so this this low-level guy who they suspect of committing a cold case murder, you know, all of a sudden feels like he's moving up in the organization to the point where one day he's been summoned by Mr. Big and taken up to that hotel suite. And he sits down, he's nervous, he's meeting the Big Cheese, and the Big Cheese is actually our undercover guy, my co-author Bob Deasy, who says, you know, listen, you've been doing some great work for me out there. You know, I want you to be part of this thing of ours, if you will. You know? And the guy's getting excited. Oh my god, I'm moving up. This is great. And he says, listen, but you know, I'll tell you you're sitting up here with me. And I know that if you walk out that door and you hit the street and you get paced on the street, the first name you're gonna give up is me and the guy's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a rat, I'm not a rat, yeah, 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 and he says, yeah, shut up, you're a rat, okay, we're all rats, but here's the thing, you're going to give me something of equal or greater value, you know who I am, you know what kind of operation we're running here, now I got to hear something about you, and he had the guy confessing to that very murder with inside of 15 minutes, (laughs) and, That's the Mr. Big Scam in uh, law enforcement in Canada. Down here, they call it entrapment. But (laughs) up there, you know, it's a finely honed law enforcement tool. So anyway, that was a fun book. And, uh, you know, just sitting here while looking for my next
0: one. How do you find these? Like, these all seem very different in their subject. Um, So how?
1: what, what leads you to them? Well, a lot of times, you know for books, a lot of time, it's as simple as you know uh, you know something coming across uh, my agent's desk that will get me involved with a collaboration. When I'm doing freelance crime stories, you know, basically, I just have a good nose for them. It's well honed over the years. you know, I've been at this game for you know three decades now. Um, and i and I have a pretty good sense about what makes for a good story. so, you know, I think it's a combination of my own wits and decent representation. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you
0: now you're doing the, the website, too, Hollywood Interrupted, aren't you? Or
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I have hollywoodinterrupted.com, who's basically a placeholder site. You know, I have broken some stories on there. Certainly the biggest one would be Bill Cosby. Uh, you know, I'm um, not going to say I was the first, no. But I was certainly uh pretty early on in uh, two thousand and six, you know I had on the record sources saying that they drugged him and raped him. I mean that uh he Bill Cosby drugged and raped him, and I put it out there and I was met with uh, silence. nobody wanted to go after to after Cosby, my own agent I was at William Morris at the time. I floated the idea as a book, you know uh. And she started screaming at me. She was like, Edna, do you, you know, do you realize (laughs) Bill Cosby's been a client of ours for over five decades? And I'm like, so what? (laughs) You know, it's, I felt like, you know, I felt like, uh, Hannibal Barras must have felt when he just stood there like and said on stage, yeah, but he's a rapist. You (laughs) see what I'm saying? So the layers of complicity and protection became the real story. And, you know, here I sit, scratching my head, you know, years later, you know, wondering uh, <laughs> well, why I still don't have a book deal. Yeah. No <laughs> Sour great. it's just, you know, no. it's well, a lot.
0: <laughs> well, why didn't that break then? Like, what what made it do it all of a sudden now in the last short time?
1: Um, You know, what happened was, was that, um, honestly, Bill Cosby was just too big, you know? I mean... You know, I don't you know, I had heard rumors, but you know, once I had actual sources, multiple sources, you know, I did what a journalist is supposed to do. I went and I ran with the story. I couldn't find an outlet for it, so I published it myself. Well here we are in 2016. It was only last year that Daily Beast republished my story under you know, I warned you about Bill Cosby. you know, so I think I got some juice off that, but you know, juice is not what i want right you know if i had my brothers i, I sit here you know some days scratching my head looking at a spreadsheet of now up over 60 bill cosby accusers you know all with similar stories and if i had my brothers i'd be interviewing all 60 of them that's how i do my job However, I don't do my job by just walking out the door and saying I'm gonna you know travel, you know, all over the country meeting these women. Um, you know, when the fact is I'm a professional and I need to get paid. This is the one story that uh you know somehow got away and I and to try and figure out why is uh it's just it doesn't speak well for my profession now, does it?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, wh- yeah. What do you think about that then, as, as a profession and as uh, you know, journalism and uh, media in general nowadays? They take a lot of flak. Um, how is what's your opinion?
1: Well, I have. You know, I you know, I sit here. I just before we started the show. I was uh you know, entertaining a lead that some guy came to me uh, you know, about a mysterious uh death of a local porn star. You know, and I was like, Wow, you know, that's that's a juicy story. And I you know, and back in the day I could pick up the phone, I could call Rolling Stone, Playboy, uh Maxim magazine, you know, any of those glossy slick magazines. You know, and I'd be, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd I'd be bankrolled and, you know, be on a plane the next day, you know, reporting the story. Well, journalism as we know is not what we knew it was. (laughs) That's all I can say. You know, we are deluged by, you know, uh, viral videos, listicles as they call them, and very, very little in-depth, you know, uh, long-form journalism, and we're suffering for it. I mean, yeah, long form does exist, but basically it's, it's, you know, it's a vanity section for these websites who realize that, you know what, if we're going to succeed, branding is everything. You know, SEO, this, that, and the other thing, and, you know, all of a sudden you have the media mechanism itself dictating how you're supposed to tell a story, and it's just not fun anymore, nor does it uh, pay very well, you know. Yeah. So I'll stick to books. You know, I'll just stick to the super long form as long as that's a viable outlet and see what happens. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why I appreciate talk radio. I mean, at least we can have a conversation and you know, or uh, and you know, get a, an entire thought out to the world. Yeah. You know, it's getting harder and harder to do that with the printed word. And I'll tell you, in terms of checks and balances, you know, you saw what happened with the Panama Papers. You know, that monstrous yeah. leak of all those, you know, dignitaries, celebrities, politicians, you know, yeah. who have been, you know, uh, squirreling billions of uh, dollars away, you know, just yeah. literally bleeding their own countries. I mean, when you look at something like that, you know, hopefully that's a wake-up call that says, you know, there are good journalists out there. They had 400 journalists working on that, going through 11 million, you know, documents. I don't know how many terabytes, 2.6 terabytes worth of stuff. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I like to dig myself, you know, my teeth into. But, you know, and there are, and believe me, those kind of stories cross my desk every day. Not of that, not necessarily of that magnitude but really great, profound stories. And the outlets just aren't there, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it's it's kind of like I have to focus with a single-mindedness of purpose. I have to focus <laughs> on the story that's in front of me. And if I have to bleed out three, four, six hundred pages, that's what's what I'm going to do, Yeah, you know? And we'll see how the market responds.
0: Yeah, there seems to be... Um, a lot of the American public is not... So much interested in that anymore. It seems to be they're all interested in the quick flash.
1: Yeah, well, and that's how they're being raised, and that's unfortunate. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, my sister's a school teacher. You know, and she pulls her hair out trying to get her kids to read. You know, why would they read? They got Game Boys. They listen to me. I'm like, you know, anything I say that involves technology, I'm probably eight generations behind. So I shouldn't be the one pontificating about that, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when we lose our written word, that means that in journalism and, you know, nonfiction and we, we, we lose all sense of perspective. You know, uh, you know, nobody's minding the story. And, you know, and then when these big leaks like the Panama Papers or Snowden or any of that stuff comes down, You know the world is shocked, and I mean shocked. Look, how could have this been happening? And I'll say, well, it it might have been stopped. You know, if (laughs) you know, if the right journalists had had the opportunity, were allowed the opportunity within the you know within the parameters of their profession, to start investigating it in the first place. You know, it's uh, it's a strange world we live in.
0: Do you find uh, there's any news? organization or journalist organizations out there left now that are uh, just doing that sort of work?
1: You know, I think anybody who's still... I, I don't want to slag any of my no, colleagues no. who are, you know, working at the wire services or, yeah. you know, cranking out news day in, day out, but I think it's just as frustrating for them as it is for me. Um, you know, it's... Uh, uh, you know, Occasionally we'll see something good in the New Yorker. Uh, you know, Time Magazine still has it. But I, you know, my, my, uh, sweet spot was men's magazines, and they've go- all gone by the wayside. I hear Playboy is getting sold now. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that may be, you know, uh, it may be too little too late on that one. I, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, you know, the goal is, you know, I think the art of storytelling is still there, you know. And, you know, let me just put it this way. If, from what I'm losing in terms of, you know, journalism gigs, I think that ultimately the story will prevail. And, you know, I've had some tastes of having my work exploited into ancillary markets, i.e., you know, movies and television and that sort of thing. And, you know, I think if the anything's changed for me is, you know, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, admit it. When I'm putting a story together, I'm thinking about telling it, uh, ways to tell it. And, you know, uh, and it also affects my writing. Good, bad, or indifferent, I'm writing for, you know, ultimately for the payday, which is going to come uh you know, from publishing a piece, whether it's on my website, hollywoodinterrupted.com, or some magazine or some web- website or a book, ultimately, I'm not paying my rent until some sort of deal is made where the real money comes in, and the real money still, and it's true to this day, comes from Hollywood. What they do with your work after that, Listen, if my refrigerator's full, my rent is paid, and my wife and I can take a vacation in August, then so be it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> but you know, i I'm looking to other media is is really where it's at.
0: Yeah. Is there anybody that inspires you right now?
1: Uh yeah, just I have to say, um I would have to say Gates to Leach, uh You know, he just, you know, this is a senior man of letters. He's taken some heat. He's been called a sexist because he publicly said that no woman writer has ever inspired him. I heard he's walked that back. But, you know, I don't find that to be sexist. I just think it sounds like a guy who maybe doesn't read all that much. He's too busy writing great stories and books, you know. He has a piece, I'm trying to remember the title in it. It's about a voyeur. That he had met in the 60s. It's in, uh, the current issue. You can find it online in the New Yorker. A guy who, to satisfy his, uh, voyeuristic tendencies, bought a hotel in Aurora, Colorado of all places and, uh, created, uh, you know, created a a way to spy on the people that checked into his hotel um, from the rafters without them knowing he was being watched. And he called himself, like he felt like he was like an anthropologist, you know? And he took notes on their sexual proclivities and their grooming habits and and, and everything else. And he had been doing this for years, and he just, (laughs) he basically became all consumed by his own sort of fetish And he approached Gay Police and he, and he shared with him the volumes of notes that he had taken and even invited him to visit the hotel. But he wanted anonymity. He didn't want him to mention his name. So Gay Police waited all these years and finally, when this guy's like 78 years old, he finally said, you know what? Go public. So uh, this story that had been, he'd been sitting on, you know, for decades is finally out, and I, if I remember the title, I know voyeur's in the title. Oh, you, you know, it's a Google search away. It would be Gay T A L E S E, voyeur, and New Yorker, and that story will come up. And you say goodbye to your afternoon because I've just sent you down the rabbit hole of some really good reading.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, look for that. <laughs> so, yeah. any idea what's coming up next for you, or you just haven't decided?
1: Well, I, you know, I've been doing uh, working on a couple of projects. I can't discuss them yet until they go to the marketplace. And you know, the, and, and you know, so I've been working on two potential book projects. I've been working on a crime show, which I wish I could talk about right now, um, but you know, they, the network has to give us an air date. They gave us a budget. It's a crime show. It's a lot of fun. It would be on one of the cable networks. I'm um, uh, functioning as a consulting producer, um, and uh, it really ties in with America's current fascination with a lot of these by gro- bygone crimes, i.e., well, if you thought, uh, <laughs> let's put it this way, if you thought uh, O.J. was the show trial of the century, well, you'd probably be right. Let's not forget Robert Blake. Let's not forget Phil Spector. You know, let's not even forget Winona Ryder. You know, I mean, (laughs) in other words, uh, we're going across the board in a lot of, you know, uh, fresh ways to look at old crimes. And I'm having fun with it. Yeah.
0: No, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, so I'm staying busy. Yeah. You know, and I live in Southern California. I got no business complaining.
0: No, no. Except (laughs) for you need a little extra water.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Okay. We'll get it. Yeah. So
0: uh, let's give out your contact information one more time, if anybody has. Something. Okay.
1: Listen, any of your listeners are welcome to contact me direct directly. It, this may seem rare, but when you live in an age of no privacy, you might as well uh, hide in plain sight. I can be reached directly by anyone interested at Mark fifty nine all one word at gmail dot com. Uh, my website is another place to go noodle around, www.hollywoodinterrupted.com. And to the point of our, uh, conversation, it's never too late, uh, to, uh, have a look at, um, uh, Poison Candy. And, you know, that's, that's, that's available everywhere. So, uh... You know, I, 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 I thank you for the time. I really enjoy, enjoyed speaking with you today, Al. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, anybody's welcome to contact me, and uh, let's do it sometime again soon, shall we?
0: Oh, I'd love to. Thanks
1: Thank for good. being on. Yeah. Oh, great. My pleasure, Al. Take care.
0: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts,